Lord, we just come before you opening your word. And we just ask that you open our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you have in store for us. Lord, just let my uh, words fall on deaf ears and yours. Just plant good seed. Lord, let your words speak through my my lips, Father. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so I... In preparation for this sermon, I, I, I had some, I had two weeks, obviously, and I just kind of, this one was a tough one to, to find where the Lord wanted me to fall. So I had written a psalm just about little strings and, and, and how the Lord just uses little strings throughout the Bible to change and make big changes. And so I was like, oh. I'm going to write a sermon. I'm going to do the sermon on little strings. And then that got me to thinking about looking at things differently and, and, and looking at the Bible differently. And I was like, oh, that's maybe where I'm going. And then I was talking with, with a brother, and we were like, well, that could be the uh, sermon. And so I followed that third one about brotherhood and, and, and that sort of stuff. And I just kept, and I followed it, and I did what I normally do, my normal research, my, my thing, and just, it felt like everything I put on the page just evaporated. Everything that would normally sit in my spirit just evaporated. And, and so I kept pushing, I kept pushing, and, and at, you know, two days ago, I was just like, I, that's not the sermon. That's not the sermon. I got to change it. And so I, ha- I had to like step back and reopen my eyes. And I said, well, Lord, what is it that you really want? And, it, and basically what I went back to was number two, like the second idea, because that was what really gripped me. And, and so I worked on it and things just started falling into place. Boom, 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 like, like dominoes. And it just it felt good. But I, I, I kind of was like, Lord, what, what's... What's going to anchor this? And it wasn't until today that I was helping my dad with, helping a woman from my dad's church uh, move. Her husband had just died. Um, He he died of COVID. He died, I want to say like three weeks after their first year anniversary. Older, older woman. Second husband. And, and she just needed help, and she's kind of overwhelmed, so I've been helping my dad move her out of the house uh, and, and move things to his house so she can sell it and all that. But she asked me for prayer before we left today, and she said, I, there's this young man. He's 25. He, he was smart. He basically, and she just listed credentials that was like, this kid's got everything going for him. Um, but they found out last night that he stuck a gun in his mouth and blew his head off. I mean, like, high-paying job at a Dallas-Fort Worth, this, that, and the other, fiancé, you know, valid Victorian, all this. And they found him in the bathtub with his head blown off. And, and I went, Lord, what, what would cause us what would cause somebody who, and she said he professed to be a Christian. I said, what would cause a Christian to do that? You know, because to me, 
the, the, the unspeakable joy, the, the presence, the, the relationship that I have with the Lord, there's, I couldn't end it. You know, and so it was kind of like, and, and so she had asked for prayer, and I said, well, let's, you know, we're going to stop right now, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for this family, and we're going to speak against those evil lies that the enemy's going to whisper, that they should have done something, they should have asked, they, you know, and, and, and I spoke against that. And, and so he, he kind of, and, and so I drove, I drove home, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, Lord, what? What would cause that? You know, and, and, and I can't judge whether or not he was truly saved. Um, but I said, Lord, what is it? And, he's, and, and to me, it felt like perspective, right? That ultimate suicidal tendency is, is when you are looking from your perspective and things just look hopeless. You're so blinded that you can't even see what the Lord is doing. And so there were three stories that he kind of, he had given me earlier that I had already prepared and everything. And he wanted me to look at it and say, look at this differently. Take the perspective and flip it. And so what we're going to do is just examine three of these situations in the Bible and, and look at them differently. So the whole purpose of this is first, you know, you can write this down, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And it's, it's the Lord talking to Samuel about anointing David. And it says in verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so how often do we do that? How often do we judge a book by his cover? How, do, how often do we, we look at somebody's life and go, he's got everything, yet we fail to look as God looks? You know, so many people, I've, I've in, in conversations with people, they go, I want to see how God sees. I want to love how God loves. And, well, the answer is, do you actually try to do that? Do you try to see how God sees somebody? You know, we, we talked about, you know, if you hate your brother, you're not of Christ. You know, if you hate somebody, you're, you're not of Christ. Christ is love. And, and, and he loves beyond measure. And so we see this throughout the, the Bible. But I want to take a look at, and, and you guys can go to Genesis 6. And I'm not going to read these, most of these, but Genesis 6 through 8. And we're looking at Noah and the flood, or and the people, right? And so when we read this, this is a huge, huge, you know, everybody knows this, right? We see, we see Noah, and we look at this, this at Noah, and he is God's golden child, we'll say, right? And he's the good guy in this story. And we always look at those people and we go, those idiots, those dummies, you know, can't they heed the warning, blah, 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 right? And we put ourselves 
in Noah's shoes. And we say, we warn them, you know, we can warn people all they want. But if you take your perspective and change it from a selfish one, because here's the thing, we always want to put ourselves as the heroes and not the villains. But if you've read any of the Bible, we are the villain. We're the ones that crucified Jesus. So look at it from the villain's perspective, the people. We are those people. We are always the ones who fight and ignore the warnings of God. Because in a sense, A, we don't want to know. We don't want to be rebuked, right? We don't, but they're, they're, they're impossible. And so here is, you know, Noah building a giant boat in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near water. And these people are laughing at him and saying, look at what this guy is doing. And so this is us. We look at the things that God is doing. These ridiculous looking, building a boat in the middle of nowhere. And we laugh at it and we scoff at it instead of saying, why are you building that? That just makes no sense. And asking, here we are, we just laugh at it. You know, so we go to Proverbs 1, 24. And this is what it says. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When, a, when distress and anguish call upon you, come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. You know, I've found myself so many times just seeing what the Lord is doing in my life, but not wanting not wanting it. You know, I don't want to be rebuked. I don't want the Lord to tell me where I'm wrong. You know, I wish he would just say, hey, Tyler, you're good. Awesome. Keep up the good work, man. <laughs> That's not the case. You know, so, so I have to change my perspective and stop putting myself in Noah's shoes, who if we want to put, you know, this is the Lord. And he's building magnificent things, preparing magnificent things, safe things, a safe haven for us. Yet here I am ignoring it all, ignoring the warnings. 
So we have to change our perspective. You know, stop making ourselves the heroes of our own stupid story. Because we're not. We have more in common. All right, let me say this. I have more in common with the people ridiculing Noah than I do with Noah. For years and years, I just walked the talk and sure, 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 sure. And laughed at those crazy Christians. So the second story I want to look at is 1 Samuel 17. This is well and truly familiar to everybody. This is a story of David and Goliath. And if there is ever a story in the Bible that we put ourselves in and is way overused, it's the David and Goliath. Because we want to be David and we want to be slaying our giants with the Lord's help. Or we want Jesus and Jesus is into our lives and, we're, and he's slaying our giants. Look at it from God's perspective. Guess who you are? Guess who I am in this version? I'm Goliath. I am the one that is standing there that has mocked the Lord in my life. You know, I stand in front of the Lord and I look down at this shrimpy plan of God. And I say, that can't do anything in my life. That can't change my life. That can't be useful. And so I have mocked those changes. I have mocked those words. You know, I have stood against the plans of the Lord. I mean, how, okay, how many times, you know, if we're really being honest with ourselves, how many times have we really been David in our lives? And how many times have we been Goliath? You know, we, ha- we, we say we believe, and, and yet still sometimes we still end up siding with Goliath and wanting to fight those things. You know, because guess what? It, it, it's a painful truth. The plans of God reveal the painful truth. And that painful truth is just one pebble to the forehead that knocks us out, you know, and leads to the death. It's just, it's, it, all it takes is one tiny pebble and all our bowls, you know, our, our boasting, our our trash talk, our tough talk just crumbles and we're crippled. You know, the Lord's plan is going to go forward. You know, so if you read, read it. Stop reading David and Goliath like you're David because you're not. As much as I want to be called a man after God's own heart, I'm more often than not Goliath. And I stand in the way of the will of God. 
You know, go to Daniel 9. Verses 5 through 9. And we'll start in verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. This is focus on this. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in the countries to which you have driven them because the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his annoying saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. We, we, we rebel, we, we have all this unrighteousness, we rebel, we set ourselves up thinking our counsel is better, our counsel is stronger. And, and the Lord just laughs. You know, we, we think that, that, you know, maybe from the outside Christianity is, is a bond is is binding us to this this heartless cruel god you know or or binding us into slavery and and the answer is i'm joyfully bound to slavery the god i serve the master i serve has proven a better steward of my life than I have. So here we are with the perspective of Goliath and how often are we cheered by the world into doing things. You know, job, get a new job, but that's not the Lord's will. So you're fighting him going after this new job when you know that he wants you somewhere else. You know, go visit this person, pray for that person, but you don't want to do it. So you're fighting against his will and his need. You know, and, and, and 
it's just, you know, for me, it's time and time and time and time and time, and I can go on forever, time and time again, that I continue to fight against the, the, the Lord's will, knowing full well that everything He has said for me is good. <laughs> Every time I've resisted and, and He's hit me with this David stone, I've understood that that plan was good. And it was way better for me. And I should have just given up. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. Our plans, my plans, hold me captive. His plans set me free. But I can't hinder the Lord's plans. It's just not going to happen. So those two stories are pr pretty just, just, you know, they're, they're known. But to look at them in fighting the warnings, we fight the, the, the we rebel against God. We, you know, we're not, we're not just we're not Davids facing our giants. We're the giants fighting against God's will. You know, we are those people that are banging on the ship when it's starting to rain. And so he gave me one more that he wanted me to look at, and this one... This one was amazing. Matthew 26. Starting in verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teachers say, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. So he wanted me to look at the Jesus and Judas 
relationship. And, and when we have read these verses, right, we always go, man, that Judas, he's, he's Satan incarnate, you know, and, and, and so evil, and how could he do that? <laughs> and he says, he says, Tyler, have you, did you look? Have you looked at, from the perspective of Judas? You know, because I have. I, I've been Judas. You know, but, but if you look from Judas's perspective and you put yourself in Judas's place, do you recognize, do you see everything that the Lord has done for you? If you look at Judas, he was given the gifts. He went out and ministered. He delivered demons. He healed the sick through the power of Jesus' name. He walked with Jesus through his earthly ministry. And through it all, witnessing and hearing the word of God incarnate, he made his choice to sin, to betray the one who had loved him, who had given him all his desires for 30 silver. I've probably in my life betrayed Jesus for less than that. <laughs> you know, for 30, for 10 seconds of physical pleasure, I've betrayed him. You know, I'm sure others have, for a minute of drinking or drugs or alcohol or whatever, have betrayed him for it. You know, and so I said, Lord, how could, you know, how could he do that? And the truth is here in 1 Corinthians 2.14. I'll start in verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So this man walked with Jesus saw the healing, saw the spiritual things, the movement. He heard it all. But through every single thing, every, every parable, every sermon, every conversation, the natural man 
couldn't receive the things of the Spirit. Jeremiah 12. For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called you a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. I've been that guy to Jesus. I've called him my Savior, but I've spoken deceitful things to him. You know, I've dealt treacherously with the Lord. Said, I'll do that. Sure, 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 sure. Never do it. But I want to go back to Matthew 26. But this is the turning point, guys. This is the turning point right here that... When he told me to look, I said, I, I don't, I don't want to be Judas, Lord. I don't want to be even associated with that man because he, he, he betrayed you ultimately up and unto your death, which needed to be done. But this is what I want you guys to hear. And, and when I read this, I was like, whoa. Okay, this man, uh, setting the stage, this man walked with Jesus for his whole ministry, broke bread with this man, did the, saw the signs, saw the wonders, heard the parables, heard the sermons, had the conversations, spoke mouth to, you know, face to face, hugged, was kissed by the Lord Christ himself. And for all that, he betrayed God. But I want you to re hear this. 47 through 50. This is Jesus Christ, and it's at the betrayal and arrest in Gethsemane. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude of with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. This is what I want you to hear. This is why, this is the important thing. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Friend, through all of the walking and knowing full well that it was his time and he was to be betrayed, Jesus called him friend. So if you look at it and you are Judas, Jesus has done everything in his power and his majesty to not have you be Judas, to not betray him. Even up until this moment, he is still calling you friend. He is still calling you friend. 
There is nothing in this world that will not stop him from going after you, from showing him, showing you his glory, showing you his mercy. It is your choice. You are Judas. You have the choice to betray him. And until that last moment, when your fate is sealed, Jesus calls you friend. There is nothing that you can do. This man, if you would, if, if you're going to put yourself and be like, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, you're this man. The betrayer of hope for all mankind. And he calls you friend. And I, th whoa, Lord. The lengths with which you go, you know, and I can, I would bet you that when he said friend, it was not with a sarcat, with not a sarcastic hint of in it. It was with the most love that he could muster on this earth. And he said, friend. Instead, Judas, Judas made his choice. And so the question is, is when he says friend, can you make the decision in the other direction? There is nothing you can do, there is nothing you can say, there is no matter your perspective, Jesus calls you friend. I have been in the darkest and darkest days. I have had suicidal thoughts. I've wanted to take my own life. I've wept in my bed at nights because I felt like there was no hope. But in this man's darkest hour, this would be his darkest hour. And so I can only assume that in my darkest hours, when I am struggling and I am at my wit's end, when I, am, when I feel like I'm constantly losing and my feet are out from under me, he calls me friend and gives me that out, that choice to change my perspective. To change my perspective to love him, to follow him, to not head down that dark path that leads to death. So I want us to understand that we like I said before, we are not the heroes. We're the villains. We're the reason why the Lord came down. To take care of the villains. But instead of destroying them, which he has every right to do, 
God sent Jesus to rescue the villains. 2 Kings 6.17 2 Kings verse 17 2 Kings 6 excuse me 2 Kings 6 verse 17 starting in verse 16. So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he, God, struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. We are like that young man so often that when we get in these moments, we don't see what is around us, what the Lord is doing around us, what the Lord, how the Lord is preparing the ground around us. And so we have to open our eyes. Look at it from a different perspective. Look at things from a different perspective. You have to take the selfishness out. Villains only look for themselves. You don't want to be a villain? Look at it from God's perspective. Acts 26, verse 18. Verse 14, and when he, and when he, when all, we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a verse speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by me. Open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. You know, you can talk about the spiritual darkness, which we've, you know, there's been plenty of times that I have been spiritually oppressed and felt this darkness, you know, and I'd, I'd like to say that most of the, the, the darkness that we see is, is spiritual oppression. You know, sometimes of our own doing, sometimes not. 
But it is our job, it is our job to open their eyes. To work with the Lord our God and open their eyes. Reveal to them the light. You know, because not, o- not always... Is the, is the light so easy to see? Not always is it easy to see. Because sometimes even in that darkness, we have our eyes closed. So we can't see the light in the darkness. Acts 5.32 But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those whom obey. We who follow the Lord are to bear witness to the things of the Lord. But if you do not have the right perspective, if you do not open your eyes to look in a different way, not through your own selfish eyes, through your own jaded eyes, but to look through the Lord's eyes, we will bear witness to the light. And all it takes sometimes is a split second to change your perspective. Take a deep breath and look at it from a different angle. And so, and so it frustrates me, and it makes me sad, and it makes me angry. You know, when I hear of, of you know, of, of veterans that have killed themselves, people that have drug overdosed, you know, um, suicides, all that. And so if I had a message for them, I say, don't do it. It's just a matter of perspective that darkness will change to light, that struggle will end because he calls you friend. In that dark time, listen for it and you will hear friend. And and this is why, guys, it is so important that we listen to the Lord and we move with the Lord and we understand His heart because He looks at the heart. You can look at my outward self and not know that anything's wrong. 
but the Lord knows. And so if you are looking with the perspective from God's heart, you're going to see the pain because we're all, and, and you should be able to expect that everybody has pain because you have pain. I have pain. I have had struggles through my life that have brought me pain. And in the end, he called me friend and kept me from going down that path that would have led to my death. So you need to bear witness because you don't know what darkness people are walking in. So Lord, we just ask you open our eyes, Father. Let us hear your words. Hear you call us friend in the darkness. And Lord, if anybody is listening, anybody's struggling, Lord, let them hear friend. And know that darkness gives way to light. And that it's just a matter of perspective. And Lord, you see our hearts. And we ask that you just change them and soften them to you and your words. That we may bear witness to your glory. We give honor and praise to you. In Jesus' name.